Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> okay, I think this is going to work. I am at a little bit of a transition in my life. I'm, I'm entering the third act, the third act of my three-act play. And I don't mean that, like, I might drop dead next week, right? Hopefully the third act will be kind of long. But, you know, I'm definitely coming towards the end. This is not the beginning. This is not the middle. This is definitely closer to the end than, than I've ever been before. <clears throat> I'm 64 years old. I'm six years post-cancer, which really knocked me for a loop. Thank you. Thank you. Every day is a good day to be on this side of the grass. That is very true. Um, the job that I worked at for the last 10 years of my career as a legal researcher and writer, uh, the job that I really loved, really adored, came to an end in 2015. And that was pretty hard, too. Uh, I'm not really quite old enough to get the full amount of my Social Security or the Medicare, but I'm way too old to get a real job. I've been freelancing a little bit, but that doesn't exactly pay the bills. And the work that I do with Portland Story Theater, as wonderful and gratifying as it is, is volunteer work. I don't get paid for this. So I'm in a bit of a financial struggle right here and you know every month we're dipping into our retirement savings and and the retirement savings are dwindling a little bit and I'm in this kind of weird limbo sort of in between retirement and unemployment. I guess retirement is just sort of permanent unemployment, right? <clears throat> but I'm too old to rock and roll and too young to die and, uh, and it's kind of weird. So what is this third act anyway, right? I mean, nobody talks about it. I look out here in the audience and I see many, many people of my age, and I know that you're all going through this too, but nobody talks about this third act thing. Or if they do, it's all, oh, the golden years, and pictures on Facebook of their fancy and expensive vacations at the villa in Italy, and, and, and oh, look what a wonderful time we're having, and gee, isn't this just fucking wonderful? Isn't this great? <laughs> Right? Right? But the third act, man, the third act, this is uncharted territory, right? The third act is facing the unknown and unknowable future. And there's something kind of terrifying about that. I'm not a person who normally is given to worry, right? That's not my nature. I'm not a worrier. I'm a person who generally feels like it's going to be okay. You know, somehow we'll, we'll make it through. Even if it's not okay, we'll be okay. But I have so many fears and concerns and worries about the third act. You know, how long will I live? How long will my money last? Will I stay healthy or will I get sick? Will I end up being a burden to the people that I love? How will it end? All these things, right? 
But even all those things, all those concerns about the third act, they're kind of on a, on a superficial plane, right? A surface plane, a practical plane. And I believe that the third act really has a much deeper level to it too, a more philosophical, even a spiritual aspect. I guess for me, the defining characteristic of the third act is that now I'm the grown up. And that is really terrifying, right? <clears throat> but I think that for most of us, the third act begins when we lose our second parent. I know that's not the case for everybody. Some people lose their parents when they're pretty young. But this idea, I had no idea how much I would miss my parents, how lonely I would feel in the world after they were gone. And I'm not a lonely person. I have a wonderful wife. I have kids. I have family. I have so many friends. It's not like I'm a hermit and I'm all alone. But somehow this feeling of being in the world without the people who brought me here, there's something very sad and very lonesome about that. Now, my dad died 16 years ago, right? But I didn't feel this feeling yet. And besides, I saw my dad every single day when I looked in the mirror. My dad was just right there. He was right there with me. But then six years ago, my mom died, and a month later, I was diagnosed with cancer. And suddenly, I began to experience this very real and very intense and very oppressive sense of my own mortality. And that's when I started to have dreams. And in those dreams, I would see little glimpses, fleeting images of my parents and my grandparents too, or at least the one grandparent who lived long enough for me to really know her and love her, my nana, my mother's mother. And I would wake from those dreams and I would be calling out, where are you? Where are you now? I had this very real sense that my parents, even though they were dead, they were somewhere, if only I knew where to look. They certainly were not in the little cemetery plot back east in Brooklyn where their headstones are and where their uh, cremation urns are buried. They're certainly not in the little bags of ashes that we kept out from the urns that are on the shelf in my closet at home. And I gradually began to realize that my parents were everywhere and nowhere. They were inside me, they were in my heart, they were in my soul, they were, they were in my memories, right? And that I was them, and that they were me. I have a, a granddaughter now, a little three-year-old, and, and she calls me Grampy, and, uh, and she calls Lynn Aya, Aya and Grampy. She's the sweetest little thing. And, and God, just being around her, just uh, really brings up my own memories of my own childhood. And with those come the memories of my parents and my grandparents, right? They're very, very close to the surface here now. And I think about my kids and I wonder if they will miss me as much when I'm gone as I miss my own parents. 
because this is the crazy conundrum, right? The crazy paradox. We have these children and we love them so fiercely and we just wanna love them and encourage them and support them and help them to be who they are. We want so much to protect them from pain and from sorrow and from grief. But somehow, ultimately, we wind up causing them the greatest grief of all when it's time for us to go. And yet, their memories live on inside us, inside me anyway, and they sustain me and they teach me. My mom and dad, my grandmother, they are still teaching me every day of my life how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a grandfather. The granddaughter, she is just a kick in the pants. She is so alive, you know, she's so present, she's so primal, she's all feeling, right? She just, and just watching her experience the world and encounter and soak it up and try to make sense of it, it's just an amazing thing to me. Last weekend, we took her camping. We went up to Frog Lake on Mount Hood, just a little bit past Trillium Lake, past government camp. There's a beautiful lake there, really more of a pond, uh, and, and we saw a pair of bald eagles flying around with their, their adolescent eagle baby, their fledgling, and it was just amazing. And the, the pond is very, very shallow, and all around the margins, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of little tadpoles swimming around. And the granddaughter was so excited, and she caught some in a little drinking cup, and she looked at them with her magnifying glass, and the whole experience was just like, she was just she couldn't believe it, you know, and she kept saying, we're going camping, we're going camping, we're going camping. Oh, look, there's a million tadpoles, there's a million tadpoles. We're having the best time. Frog Lake is the best place to go camping. Oh, now we're sleeping in the red tent. We're all sleeping in the red tent. Oh, oh we're having a campfire. Oh, Grampy, you forgot to bring the chocolate milk? <clears throat> And then on the last night that we were there, we went down to the lake one more time just before the light faded to have another look, see if we could see the eagles again. And, uh, and the dog rolled in some really stinky, icky mud, right? <clears throat> And of course, she's sleeping in the tent with us too. So Lynn tried to clean her up with a wet wipe. And somehow the combination of the smell of the wet wipe and the smell of the stinky thing was just really not a good combo. And somebody said, oh, Nova smells like a dirty diaper. And the little one thought that this was the most hysterical thing she had ever heard in her life. And she kept saying, Nova smells like a dirty diaper. And then she would laugh and laugh and laugh till she was like almost out of breath. And then as soon as she could, she would say, Nova smells like a diaper. Nova smells like a diaper. And she just laughed her head off. It was just, oh, it's just the most charming thing to see. <clears throat> And the thing that strikes me, right, she was so present, she was so 
present in that moment, so much a part of that moment, that it's really, really hard for me to get my head around the idea that she will not remember any of this when she's an adult, because she's only three. And so that kind of puts a few things in perspective for me. That helps me clarify my goals for the third act. My first goal for the third act is to be the very best Grampy that I know how to be. My second goal is to tell her the stories about her parents and her grandparents and her great-grandparents and to make sure that she hears those stories. My third goal is to try to live up to the example that my parents and my grandparents set for me. And my fourth and final goal for the third act is to try to live long enough so that she will remember me and that she will carry those memories of me in her heart forever.